just the, 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 the principle of forgiveness and the effects that it has on our health, on our relationships, it's huge. So I encourage you to go back there. But today you get to hear part two. And uh, I don't know if you guys, just to kind of lighten it up a little bit, how many of you have heard of the uh, forgiven parrot, the story of the forgiven parrot? Well, there's this woman. You know, there are people out there in our community that are, that are into rescuing animals, right? This woman, you know, came upon this, this parrot. And it was kind of an older parrot, had been trained, but it looked haggled, the feathers were sticking out. And, you know, you could just tell the owner, previous owner, trainer, did not take good care of the parrot. So this woman comes along and says, hey, I'm going to rescue this parrot and take care of the parrot. But it was a bad parrot, really bad parrot. Couldn't say anything good. You know, it was trained to talk, but it was said all these bad things. It would swear. It was insulting. And, and so the woman said, you know, I'm going to love this parrot back into a recovery. I'm going to rescue with love and kindness. I'm going to speak kind words to this parrot. And I'm going to change this parrot's life, right? But she starts, and this parrot is really, really bad. It's ugly. It's, it's, it's nasty. It's insulting. You know, couldn't say a good word. Not only that, would chew on her arm when she would hold the parrot, you know, and to the point where she was bleeding, you know, and so day after day, she's trying, you know, loving the parrot and being nice to the parrot and, and, and being kind to the parrot. Nothing continues. You're nothing. You're, you're terrible, and I don't even know why you adopted me. And, and you're, you know, just say awful things about her and then just chewing on her. She had scars on her arm from this parrot. And so one day she's in the kitchen, right, and, and then the parrot just goes off on a barrage of insults and awful things, and she's standing in front of the, the, the refrigerator and she goes, you know what? I've had it with you. She opens the freezer, throws the parrot in the freezer, closes the door and said, chill out. <laughs> You're a mess. And so she just left the parrot in the freezer. And the parrot's just, you know, just, oh, I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to go off. And, and, and sure enough, the, for the next few seconds, the parrot's just saying all kinds of stuff about her from the freezer, you know. And you're this, and this is typical of you, and, and you're so, you're so, this is just exactly what you would do. This just fits you perfectly. And then all of a sudden, the parrot's quiet. You know, nothing. And the woman starts to get worried. She's afraid. She goes, I, I may have killed the parrot. Or maybe the parrot's testing me. So she waits a little while. Nothing. Quiet. So she gets nervous. You know, she, you know, she's got a compassionate woman, and so she, she, she breaks down, she opens the refrigerator and, and pulls the parrot out, puts the parrot on her arm, and the, the parrot's got his head down like this, and, and he goes, and he looks up and he says, I'm sorry, I've been a really bad parrot. Will you forgive me? And the woman's kind of shocked, you know, but she goes, yeah, I'll forgive you. Okay, we can, we can start fresh. And so after that, there's this awkward silence, you know, the parrot didn't say anything, the woman didn't say anything. And then after a few minutes, the parrot breaks the silence, you go, I'm sorry, can I ask you a question? And she goes, sure, go, go ahead. What did that chicken in the freezer do? <laughs> Everybody needs forgiveness, right? Even, even parrots. And, you know, that's what we've been talking about. And, and just to kind of reassure you, uh, if you're here a guest today, we're, we're recovering uh, bad parrots. We're recovering uh, people that, 
You know, everybody who stands up here, uh, including myself, we're, we're X something. And so you might want to keep your valuables a little closer to you because we're a recovering church. And, uh, but I want you to know that all of us have reaped the benefit at some time or another of forgiveness. But too often when we receive it, we don't appreciate it. And, and, and what do we do with it afterwards? And I want you to know that today God is making his forgiveness available to you. Amen. His hand, his arm is always outstretched, trying to help us, trying to forgive us. And here's one of the ways that you know this is that, you know, the, the scriptures, you know, people talk about the Bible, but really the Bible is, is an accumulation of, of written manuscripts, written by prophets, written by the apostles, the followers of Jesus. And they were over you know, thousands of years, these, these writings were put together. And there's a central theme in this, this whole, you know, gathering of, of, of manuscripts, of, of documents that, that were written. There's central themes. And, and this, these documents, they, they speak of, of history, science, romance, prophecy. A lot of things are covered in the scriptures. But there's three central themes that are the focal point of what God wants to say to mankind through the scriptures. And here they are. These three primary focuses. Number one, the scriptures speak over and over and over again about redemption. In other words, forgiveness. It's a primary focus of, of, of the scriptures and what they say. Number two, righteousness. Another primary focus of, of the scriptures. What righteousness has to do with limits. You know, uh, we would call them rules, but the, it's bringing order into our lives. It's saying, this is what we should do. It's kind of like you have an owner's manual, and here's what it means to take care of your life and do things right. Limits to how, what you should do. And then the third area is relationships. Relationships. And I would say the third is the most important value of God's when he communicates, he's all about relationships. But you cannot have relationships, real relationships, without the first thing on the list. And that is re redemption. See, because when you get close to people, what happens? Never fails. Get in a community, get in a marriage, get in a family, get in somewhere. What happens to, to our relationships? We're going to let each other down, right? We're going to fail and we're going to fall. And, and because of that, we need forgiveness. And so God knew that we had this great need. And, and in these three areas, this is kind of God's plan. God wants to redeem us into a right relationship with him. In fact, if you want to know what we're up to as a church, if, you're, if it's your first time here, we want to move people into a growing relationship with God. That's our objective. You may come, well, what's the catch with this church? What do they want? We want you to have a right relationship, a growing right relationship with God. But part of that is understanding and having forgiveness and getting forgiveness. And forgiveness is central to the scriptures. It's central to everything we, we learn about the scriptures. And here are three areas that we're going to look at today when we talk about forgiveness. Number one is the need to receive forgiveness from God. The need to receive forgiveness from God. Then number two is the need to give it freely to others. 
We talked about that last week, but we're going to talk about it a little more today. And then the third area, which is huge because this affects our outlook on life. Too many of us haven't gotten to the point where we forgive ourselves for things that we've done. And we don't, we don't embrace forgiveness. Although God gives it freely, we don't embrace it. And we want to kind of carry around our guilt, which is very hazardous to our relationships. And so with this, these are the three major areas that we have needs in our lives. And there are three great consequences. There are huge consequences when we don't have these three areas right in our lives. When we don't get forgiveness from God, when we don't freely give it to others, and when we don't have it in our lives, it messes us over. And it affects how we live and how we are, are, are created to live. Look at this verse here in Hosea chapter 4. It's one of the prophets, the minor prophets. He says this, Hosea 4, verse 6, the beginning of the verse, it says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. And this is God saying this about his people. Because they don't know, because they don't understand, they're destroying themselves. You and I would say this about things that we eat, right? Because we, 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 you know, we understand this. Like if you eat the wrong things over and over and over, you can destroy your health. If you do the wrong things, you practice the wrong things. Morally speaking, if you get involved in vices, you can destroy yourself. But a lot of people in our society today are ruining their lives and they don't know why. And so today's purpose is so that you and I can at least understand in the area of forgiveness. And if you come back more, you're going to know more about God help, helping us to avoid the things that are destroying our lives. I'll give you a great example. In the 1600s, there was a great plague in Europe. It was awful. Hundreds of thousands of people died of the plague. And in London in particular, what they did, they didn't understand what was causing and, and, and you know, perpetuating the plague. So they killed the animals, the, the pet animals in the city. They, they killed them and then they burned them, dogs and cats in particular, their pets. And in reality, they killed the very things that they needed to, to, to hedge the plague because the dogs and the cats were the ones that were going to kill the rats. Another thing that they did because of their lack of knowledge is they stopped bathing. And they thought because of the water and the trans, transmitting the water and, and, and it's, it's making the sickness worse, the, the thing that they needed to survive to get better, and you and I know this now, when it's flu season, we wash our hands. They didn't know that. But the plague was getting worse. And so more and more people were dying. Literally because of our ignorance, we can kill ourselves. We can destroy our lives. And nothing could be truer in the area of forgiveness. Families are destroyed, relationships are destroyed, people's lives are destroyed because they don't have a good understanding of forgiveness. And I want to say this for us as a church. We don't have, as a church, a good enough handle on forgiveness yet. And that's why we need to go over it again and again. Why? Because I see it in our interactions with each other. I see it in our family environments. You know, children with parents, parents with children, and then husbands and wives, and then individuals and their relationships with one another. Over and over, things that get brought to me, they get brought to our elders saying, you know, well, we're not getting along, and this situation is not right. And then our, look, our outlook to people outside the church 
When you understand who God is and how he is, you're going to understand we've got a long way to go in our understanding of forgiveness. And it's huge as a church. So first we're going to look at the need that we have. And if you're a guest here today, this is for you. It's very important because too often we assume that God forgives me. You know, there is a, there is a process, there is a step-by-step way to get right with God according to the scriptures. And many people don't know that. They assume, well, just God's going to forgive. He's good. But you don't understand that Jesus has laid out and the apostles have laid out a step-by-step plan of how to get right with God. And many people, for their lack of knowledge, destroy their relationship with God and assume that they have one. And so here's a verse in Acts chapter 4. How important is Jesus? Because, you know, we're kind of wishy-washy on Jesus in our, in our world today. Well, you know, Jesus is one way, and then you got all these other ways. i I got I to tell you what the apostles said. Look at what the apostles said about Jesus. It is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you've crucified, whom the God raised from the dead, that you stand, this man stands here before you healed. He is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given by which men must be saved. Sounds very exclusive. It's absolutely exclusive. But don't get offended by it. Understand it. See, you won't find another faith, you won't find another fellowship where you can understand the amount, the, the, the huge amount of forgiveness that God offers through Jesus. There's no other religion, there's no other name, there's no other place where you can find complete, total redemption except through Jesus. You can study it out for yourself. You can do all the penance you want. It won't make up the difference. Only through Jesus. And it's huge. And so it's very important for us to accept Jesus and to focus on Jesus, to know Jesus, and to understand the forgiveness that comes through him. And also for us who know Jesus to help other people understand who he is. Really. Not the religious version. The real version. And the amount of forgiveness that he offers, even on the cross, Jesus hung on the cross. And the moment when he was searing in pain near death, his last words, some of his last words that he said, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who would do that? What man, what figure, what prophet has ever even come close to offering that mercy and even dying for our sins? There's nothing close. That's why the apostles are saying, Jesus is it. And so it's very important. If you don't have this conviction, I want to invite you to learn more about Jesus. Yes, it is an exclusive message, but there's a reason. Because there's so much forgiveness and nothing even comes close when you talk about Jesus. He is the Lord and Savior. And then look at what Peter said about how to get right with God. How he says it here. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, or 36 and 38. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? When they came to understand Jesus, they asked the question, what next? I believe in Jesus. I'm ready to change my life for Jesus. I'm ready to give everything for Jesus. What do I need to do? And this is huge. 
Because there's a lot of ideas circulating in our world today. Say a prayer. You know, you get baptized as a baby. You know, you, 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 you do these times, types of things all in the name of Jesus. And for a lack of knowledge, people don't understand. Peter's about to give us, he's about to unlock the way, that the step-by-step plan. He says it right here in verse 38. Peter replied, repent, which means turn away from. Leave your previous life and start a new one, 180-degree turn. Whatever the things you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, that God doesn't approve of, leave those things. That's the first step. Then the second step is be baptized. Now, I know there's a few of you here today that have been coming to church for a while and you've been here. I want to encourage you. What are you waiting for to do these two things? To repent and be baptized. Don't you think that your relationship with God is worth it? I mean, it's the most significant step you can take in your life. Look what happens when you repent and you're baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for what? For the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God will come in you and dwell in you, which will give you the power to overcome the temptations and the struggles that you had in your past life. And it begins a connection with God. So here it is, God's plans for forgiveness for all men, no matter what language, no matter where you are in the world. This is how the apostles laid it out for us. The step-by-step plan is to hear the message, believe in the message, then obey the message, which we just saw, which is what? Repent, confess, meaning be honest and open about who you are and what's going on in your life. And then the third thing, be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what it means. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a guest here today, there are people that can help you with this, that can study the Bible with you, and that help you understand this. It is the most important decision that you will make in your life because it affects so many other areas. So here's kind of a a diagram of what what it is. When we get baptized, we participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Our old past life goes with Jesus on the cross. Then when we go under the water, it's full immersion. We go under, like in the grave with Jesus. Our past life goes under the grave with Jesus. And then when we're brought up out of the water, what it means, it's not a symbol, it's what God does. We're resurrected to a new life. You're a new person. You're a new man. You're a new woman. And this is for adults. This is for people that understand what they've done and who they are before God. A baby can't do this because they really can't have faith in Jesus. So if you have questions about that, I invite you to study this out with someone in our church so that you can be right with God. There's no point in you sitting back and going, well, I don't know if I agree with that and I'm not sure. Hey, listen, get clear on it. Study out the scripture so you can know what God's perspective on it. You know, because some people think they're going to, you know, just go through life disputing things. Why would you want to dispute things and not understand things? I don't get it, but people do that. Okay, so let's keep moving. We're going to look at a verse now is how do we, how do we, what do we do once we're forgiven? And this, this, I want to lead a segue into our membership. We're going to look at a parable that Jesus talked about, and I'm going to give you an intro intro to the, the parable Jesus was invited to go to a Pharisee's house, a very religious, high-up guy 
the high up guy invited Jesus to come over to his house to eat. So they're sitting there having dinner and all of a sudden a woman comes into the house and she's a, a woman with a very bad background. In fact, her name was Mary. Most scholars agree that her name was Mary and she was a prostitute. And so she comes into the dinner and she's, she's at Jesus' feet crying and wiping her tears off of his dirty feet with her hair. She's washing his feet with her tears. And then the Pharisees, Simon in particular was the guy who invited him, in his mind starts criticizing Jesus saying, well, if he were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. And he would know that this woman shouldn't be touching him because she's a dirty woman. She's a, she's a sinful woman. And if he's a prophet, prophets don't allow that. They shouldn't allow that. See, Jesus wasn't a prophet. He was the Messiah. And there's a difference. See, when the Messiah came to open things up, for who? He didn't come to distance himself from people. He came to bring people close. And they didn't get that. And so then Jesus goes, Simon, I got a question for you. And he leads into the segue of this video parable that we're going to watch. So I want you to imagine this is the parable that Jesus told kind of in the modern-day version. So let's dim the lights and watch this parable. Gentlemen, I'm sure you have things you need to do, so I'll be brief. This bank has been owned and run by my family for 78 years now. There aren't many banks like us left, you know? But part of the reason that we haven't sold out is that we like being able to run this place like we think a small bank should be run, treating people fairly, with respect, compassion. For each of the last 78 years, it has been our tradition to select two of our customers and forgive their loans. So, Mr. Hamilton, on behalf of my family and the employees of this bank, I'm pleased to tell you that your outstanding equity line of $1,315.47 has been repaid for you. You do not need to make any more payments. Wow. That's really nice. Thanks. What was your name again? Jameson. Frank Jameson. And my secretary has some papers that you'll need to sign on your way out. Sure. Hey, okay. Thanks again. It's really nice. I appreciate it. Oh, well, you're welcome. And Mr. Neely, your mortgage balance of $246,547.50. Mr. Mr. Jameson, sorry. You must have the wrong Neely. I'm Jerry Neely. Yes, that's right. Jerry and Peggy Neely, 235 Kindlewood. <laughs> it can't be right. Not us. We've been at least six months behind in the past. We're a month behind now. 
I'm well aware of your payment history, Mr. Neely. And as of now, that's a non-issue. But you got to have better customers out there than us. I just don't. Jerry, I'm giving you a fairly large gift here. If I were you, I'd take it and say thank you. Thank you. Man, thank you. I don't know what to say. Enjoy your house. And tell all your friends to leave their accounts here. Oh, I will. I'll tell everybody this is the best bank anywhere. <laughs> See my secretary on the way out. You know, Mr. Jameson, you gave me and Peg a whole new life. If you ever need anything, Here's the question that Jesus asked at the end of that verse. Uh, he canceled both of their debts. Which one was more grateful? Pretty clear, isn't it? Now, why did Jesus tell this parable? Because he's sitting at the dinner table with a Pharisee who needed a little forgiveness in his mind, but he's got this woman at his feet who needed a lot of forgiveness. I mean, the amount of forgiveness you can't imagine. Scars and wounds and self-inflicted things that she'd done to herself that was really, really bad. But Jesus canceled both. What was the attitude of both? And this is where I'd like to take a little time to ask our members here. You know, and, and it's always great to have someone like Eric, great great job today but you know you can just feel it when when someone comes up here and they're sharing how their gratitude and for what Jesus has done and the new lease on life and everything's changed but what happens after time goes by you know we become more like Simon or the first man who got his debt canceled wasn't a lot I got the big debt canceled a long time ago but but right now the debt's not that big and we lose our gratitude and Jesus' point in this parable is, listen, you think your debt is less? It's not. It's huge. Both of theirs was huge, although the amounts seem different. Because, and honestly, with God, the debt's so great, we could never pay it back. And we're going to see that in another parable that we're going to look at. And, and this is huge because Jesus is talking about, and we're going to move into a segue, you know, sometimes how forgiven we feel we are is how much we're willing to forgive people around us. If you've got a little bit of an edge of not being willing to forgive people, if you're not a forgiving person, you can go back and ask yourself the question, if you're really understanding forgiveness in your own life and if you're even appreciative. And I look around in our church and I see so many great examples of this. You know, people that volunteer and that do so much 
for our church. You know, I look at our elders that we have, that, that they take time out all during the week to roll up their sleeves and get involved in people's lives when they have a lot of problems after a whole day full of work. I mean, how do you explain that? They, they don't get anything back. Why do they do that? Ask them. Ask them. Bro, why do you, Joe, why do you do this? Dave, Dave, why do you do this? Shirley, why do you do this? It all comes back to this principle of understanding. I want to ask you a question. What's holding you back as a member of our church from saying like Mr. Neely on the way out, whatever you need, just ask. I'm here for you. Well, Jesus is asking, are you ready to answer? And that kind of determines the level of forgiveness. And, and, and here's one of the things about forgiveness. We make forgiveness when it has to do with other people. We make forgiveness an emotional issue when it's really a spiritual issue. I'll give you an example. You know, February or March comes around. Every year comes around. And there's this thing that we all have to do is prepare our taxes. I got to tell you, I love that time of the year where I got to sit down for hours and hours and pull out the files and make phone calls and then pull my hair out and say, this is missing. I don't have this. And what about this? And, and you get stressed and you're worried and it takes a long time to get it all done. Man, I love that. And we do it every year because we love it, right? Do you get emotionally fired up about preparing your taxes? No, none of us do. But you do it because you know it's the right thing to do. Because if you don't do it, it's going to lead to problems, worse problems later, right? You know, we got some students in the house, you know. How about final exams? Don't you guys just love final exams? You know, the end of the semester, you got to turn in papers, you got to stay up all night, and the pressure and the stress, don't you just love that? But why do you go through that? Or, you know, about this time of the year, you know, I get, I get my insurance bills, all of them at once. Man, I just love, they're like love notes to me. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, oh, man, where am I going to come up with all this? But you do it because you know down the road, right? Forgiveness is the same. Some of us want to get emotionally ready and say, well, I'll forgive when I'm ready. It's not an emotional issue. You do it because it's right. You do it because you need to do it. You do it because it's, it's what Jesus did. It wasn't convenient or emotionally satisfying for Jesus to forgive us, but he did it because he knew he needed to set us free, and it set himself free. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. Now, the feeling after you forgive may come back, but it's very important that you reaffirm the decision. I decided on this. I'm done with this. And feelings get in the way of forgiving and being forgiven. And this is huge for all of us. And I believe as followers of Jesus, we need to make sure that we're not feeling-based, we're decision-based. And you can tell by when things get stirred up, you know, when situations happen, whether we're feeling-based or whether we're decision-based. And forgiveness is a decision, clearly a decision. Now we're going to look at a verse. You're going to need your Bibles because I really wanted to spend a little time here and then we're going to wrap it up. This is going to be our last verse. Look in Matthew chapter 18. Turn your Bible on or open your Bible, whichever one it is. Matthew chapter 
18, we're going to look at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a a hundred denarii, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other, servants saw, the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that would happen. Uh-oh. Verse 32. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as you had on you? In his anger, the master turned over him to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. In verse 35, here's the verse. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. This is heavy. And I got to speak frankly now to our members. And maybe to you, if you're a guest, you get to listen in on all the, okay? When I talked about the marriage issues, there are some of us, we're choking our husband or choking our wife saying, you did me wrong. You hurt me. You're not respecting me. You're not understanding me. You did this. You did that. You did the other. Do you realize the debt that was canceled? Or that God is willing? Let's put this. It says 10,000 denarii. Do you know what the monetary value is in today's numbers? In the millions of dollars. This this was an amount so high that, and Jesus used it on purpose. This was an amount so high, the man could never have paid it back in his lifetime, no matter what he did. It was an insurmountable debt, and he canceled it. I ask you, why did Jesus tell this parable? Because this is you and me. This is how we can be. And it's ugly. You read it and you go, man, that's bad. Why did did God, he's putting it in terms, this is the kingdom of heaven, why did God cancel our debt that we could never pay back? Did he focus on the numbers? Did he focus on the amount of money? What was God's focus in the whole thing? The relationship. See, the relationship was more more important than the amount of money that he owed. And see, you and I can, if we could get this perspective, it would change everything about the way we live and the way we interact with people. See, because sometimes we get so caught up in the issues. Well, you did this and you treat me this way and you've offended me and all these other things. And I can't get over it. I won't get over it. What about the relationship? You're going to trash the relationship over some stuff 
that all of us have. Hey, I got to be open with you guys. I'm being hard on you guys. I get caught up in this stuff myself. You know, I can get negative at home with my wife and get focused on the, you know, well, this isn't working and this isn't happening. And I go, whoa, 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 what, what in the world is happening to me? You know, we can do that with each other. We can do that in our families. And what we need to understand with this parable is the servant is revealed with his fellow servant. We all want to have a great relationship with God, but what's your relationship like with other people? You know, what's your, what's your, what's your, your outlook on our community? When you see stuff on the news, what boils up in you? Compassion or anger? I mean, we've got to be honest about this. God had a predisposition to forgive. Do we have, as a church, do we have, as individuals, a predisposition to forgive? Or are we nitpicking, waiting? You know, this is a very powerful thing that we have here, the scriptures. It can even make us better or it can make us like Pharisees, nitpickers, ungrateful ready to find fault. It was ugly what this servant did. He, he didn't care about the fellow servant's relationship. He, all he cared about was that $100. What do you care about? Do you care about relationships? Is that why the things are going sideways in your marriage? With your kids? What's more important? This is Jesus' teaching. The relationship, make it right, get it right, get help, but be willing to forgive. Quickly. Why? Because it was a billion dollars that God canceled on your debt. We're talking about $100 here. That's the difference. Unforgiveness affects those around us. How, how did the fellow servants feel about this servant? Man, it was bad. It put a heavy environment on the whole community. When you're not forgiving, it affects everybody around you, even those that, who aren't even involved. It's a, it's, a, it's a dark cloud that hangs over your relationships. It affects your family. It affects your marriage. It affects everything. Maybe it's something going on at work. You bring it home, it affects everything going on at home. What Jesus is trying to say is be forgiving people. We need, as a church, we need to be really, really good at forgiving. Why? Why? Because our Heavenly Father is really, really good at forgiving. When we look out at the community, when we see people on the other side of the spectrum, what do we see? What are we looking? Man, do we have compassion? And yes, we want change. But we want to take that position of Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus saw some horrific things in his time. What was his position? I came here to forgive. I came here to offer forgiveness. And yes, he preached truth. He preached righteousness. But I want you to go back and ask yourself, which resembles you? It affects the master's reputation. If we're going to be a Christian church and we're not forgiving, what's that saying about God? What, what are we reflecting about God? Your marriage, when it's not right, when it's not good and it's not healthy, what are you communicating about God? That he's in your marriage, in your life, in your home? Really? No, it affects God's reputation when we're not forgiving. So we need to think about that. If you want God to have a good reputation in our community, in our world today, then let's be a forgiving people. 
Let's be full of mercy. And then number four, unforgiveness is wicked. It's ugly. It's sinful. It may be one of the worst sins when you don't forgive, when you've been forgiven. Unforgiveness keeps you attached to the offender. And let's wrap it up with these verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. We, we, we talked about this last week a little bit, but this is the New Living Bible. It says, if you're angry, don't let your sin, don't sin by nursing a grudge. Nursing a grudge is like a baby in your arms, okay? And you're feeding the baby. The baby gets bigger. How do we do that? By talking with other people about a problem that we have with somebody else. You're nursing. You're making it bigger. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Get over it quickly. In other words, forgive quickly. How many times did we look at last week? What was the number of times that Jesus said? Seven times 70. A day. That's a lot. For when you're angry, you'll give a mighty foothold to the devil. Who wins? The longer you're angry, the greater the opportunity that you will sin. Isaiah 43. And we looked at this last week. I'll, I'll skip through it. There are two great things that we're not created well to handle. One is worry, and the second one is unforgiveness. And God helps us with both. And it's huge for us. So let's wrap this up. How important is forgiveness in your life? that you become good at it. It affects your relationships, your health, your happiness, your faith, your prayers, and our freedom. We talk about being a country that's free, but we don't forgive. I mean, this is huge. I want it to start here with us, that we will be a people of forgiveness. Well, they don't deserve it. And I don't see them changing, you know. I think God could say the same thing about you, couldn't he? Every day he could say, I don't see him changing. I don't see her changing. And they don't deserve it. Who deserves it? Nobody does. And we're never going to change enough. We need to be motivated to change and ambitious to change and grow. But it all starts, what's the motivation? It's forgiveness. This last verse here. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. How many? Can we say all? All. How much is all? Everything. Everything. This is the God that we serve. He forgives it all. Not parts, all. But he forgives it all when, when we what? We forgive So I'd like you to take this home with you to think on it. There's a verse you can write down and just look at it later. Another one. Okay, let's wrap this up. Faith in action. I want to leave you with these things. I want want you to to, to be, uh, for our members, to extend forgiveness to other people around you. They don't understand it. Help them understand it. You're the vehicle. We are the vehicle to help people understand forgiveness. Number two is... Make it a personal conviction to be a forgiving follower of Jesus. I want us as a church to work on this. In our homes, in our neighborhoods, when you're watching TV, instead of yelling at the teacher at the TV, right, like we do sometimes, we're watching the news, we yell at the television. Instead of yelling at the television or yelling at the radio, 
Why don't you practice what Jesus did? For God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the truth. You know why our country's messed up? Because we don't know what the heck we're doing. You know, we're a mess. God, please help us and use me to be a vehicle of change in our world. And don't allow, allow past emotions to affect the decisions you made about forgiveness. Make sure that no one misses the grace of God. This has to do with forgiving yourself. You gotta let yourself off the hook. Some of you are hanging on to stuff and you're not feel, allowing God to work in your life because you're not allowing him to forgive you. It's almost like you're trying to punish yourself for what you've done. Hey, forget about that. Jesus took your punishment. Let it go. He forgives you. And then number five, we want to rebuild this house, God's church, to be a place of forgiveness, righteousness, and relationships. So I'm going to pray for you, and then we're all going to be dismissed. We went just a tad long today, so I'm going to ask once we're done with our prayer here in the front part, if we can go out into the foyer, stop at the fundraising table, uh, enjoy some great fellowship. I want to encourage you to have some great conversation this week about this. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for teaching us about forgiveness. We pray that you'll help us to be a, a forgiving people. I pray for our friends who are here visiting God, that they can lean in on the forgiveness that you offer them to have all their sins wiped away and to begin a new life of walking in a right relationship with you and being devoted to doing what's right. Father, help us in this pursuit, and please forgive us, God, for, for, for those of us that are, are still holding things in. I pray, God, that you'll help us to, to lay it down today. Make a phone call. Go visit someone and say, I'm done. I want to forgive, and I want to be forgiven. Bless your church, and not only uh, our church, God, but we pray for our community. We pray for, pray for our nation right now. There's a lot of hurt in our nation. There's a lot of people that are feeling uh, pain, anger. Father, we pray for our, our, our nation right now. We pray for people that have been uh, stereotyped and, and they hurt over it. Please, God, I pray for our nation. Forgive them because they know not what they do. And I pray all of us as a country can look to Jesus for answers. God, we love you. Help us and bless our world and help us to be a, 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 a vehicle of change. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you next week.